Hello. Uh, hi, Gabe. Hi, Uma. Thank you so much for joining me today at Purple Hats 2022. It's lovely to see you both. Why don't we go ahead and start with you, Uma, uh, first. Say hello. A little bit about you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Uma Mahesh, and uh, I am a CISO for uh, Prime Healthcare Services. Uh, we have um, a managed 44 hospitals, 300 clinics across 14 states. Uh, and I'm also a co-founder of um, a startup, Kulinda, um, and also, um, you know, um, I'm an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur um, at heart. All right, and one one headline for your your philosophy around cybersecurity or staying ahead of threats. So the uh, I think uh, you know to stay ahead on you know with the cybersecurity these days is. Um, um, is is uh, you know is to find the blind spots that you have right um, um, meaning um, you know you're looking for um, you know your shadow IT um, assets out there um, it, it could be assets as well as liabilities so um, you're constantly watching them um, and then keeping uh, you know ahead you know trying to stay ahead of those um, uh, I think is, is the key. All right. So the headline is finding your blind spots and, and staying ahead. Okay. Thank you. Great to have you here. All right. Gabe. Hi. So I'm Gabe Lawrence. I'm the VP of cyber protection at Toyota. Um, I focus on the technical side of cybersecurity, covering our enterprise manufacturing and a little bit of our products as well. I guess I'd say my headline is things are always changing both in your mm -hmm. environment and in what the bad guys are up to. And so you know, we need to build, we need to build with awareness that everything is different all the time. Mm -hmm. Let me jump right in. So um, how do you keep up with, with threats? What, what are the strategies that you employ um, inside of your own organizations, inside of your own teams? Um, why don't we start, Gabe, with you and share, share your thoughts. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, this is the challenge, right? Because everything in cybersecurity is different all the time and it's changing at an extreme rapid pace and you need to be aware of what's going on in your environment and what's going on in the world and what's the new research and, and understand, contextualize that into your environment and understand what the impact is and, and continuously evaluate that and, and get a good understanding the new techniques, the new tactics, the new technologies, both on the attacker and the defender side mm -hmm. and, and figure out how they can really help you secure your environment. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. Um, I know Uma, you mentioned, you know, shadow computers and uh, that's, that can be a challenge when it comes to keeping on top of threats. Um, how, how, what are some of the, strategies that you employ in your organization? Sure. So um, continuously um, inventory, uh, I mean, discovering inventory, uh, monitoring, and uh, monitoring and act, right? It's like a, a vicious cycle. You, just, it, it, um, you can never stop uh, with these four. Uh, you're always looking, I mean, you're looking for what you have in the environment. Uh, it could be, uh, like I said, the assets, 
it could be the vulnerabilities how do they apply to the uh, business what you know how critical are they mm -hmm. uh, to the business mm -hmm. or how critical are they to the uh, you know to the cybersecurity posture the threats right um, and uh, as part of this threat hunting um, also becomes a critical uh, place a critical role in here um, um, so i mean as per sans 2020 threat hunting um, a survey 85% uh, of organizations are adopting um, or at least uh, you know uh, embracing the threat hunting these days. Mm -hmm. uh, so. And how do you, um, because there's so many vulnerabilities, you know, tens of thousands of vulnerabilities, how do you actually figure out which ones are most relevant for you? I mean, do you kind of balance? risk as part of that equation yes yes uh, so again um, you know i always believe in um, you know first thing to address these vulnerabilities is um, identify what you need and the rest just don't um, you know just turn them off don't run them on your network or on your inner organization right um, that's number one strategy i always uh, believe in or or would at least like um, you know our team to um, work at. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all. It's not that easy. Uh, you know, finding what's not needed and turning it off is not that easy. Right? But again, we can be striving towards that. With that, you will you know uh, an organization will reduce drastically the threat uh, attack surface by eliminating what's not needed. Uh, so that you know is a primary goal, right? I mean. Uh, in healthcare, you know, healthcare terminology, right? Uh, we don't want to be a pharmaceutical company uh, where we are just patching the, you know, we are patching the symptoms, um, right? We want to be uh, looking for a root cause and solving that rather than trying to patch a patch and then that will have another 10 patches. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's key, right? Understanding your attack surface and managing your assets and understanding what assets you have, then mapping those into the overall protections and, and vulnerabilities that come into play, right? So, you know, this week, there's this, a, a new spring remote code execution that's going around, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to understand, you know, how bad is it? What, what kind of exposure do you have? And to do that evaluation, understand where you have spring in your environment, which can be hard to find, right? And that's where that asset management piece comes into play. Mm -hmm. And then look at it from uh, the risk is exactly where you need to go from there, right? And understand is this a quick to, you know, hit the hit the emergency stop button and power everything down in kind of impact? Is it limited and in scope and who has a, a ability to access? Mm -hmm. What kind of countermeasures can you put in place around it for protections? You know, can you protect with WAFs or other technologies? Um, and, and then use that kind of measured approach to understand what your response needs to be and inform how quickly and, and what kind of impact you need to make in the environment to fix it. Mm -hmm. So so it sounds like what I'm hearing from both of you is you need you need to be looking constantly but yet you have to figure out how to be looking for the things that are relevant for you, um, which can be challenging. Um, and we're talking a lot of, at the conference about a threat informed defense and, and really building layers of defense and detection and response capabilities. Um, any thoughts around how to do that? 
Right. So a multi-layered approach is, you know, is a very effective approach, right? Um, again, and, and um, when you are looking at a multi-layered approach, uh, you have to start off um, with, again, knowing what you have, right? And how critical is this to you uh, and the business? I mean, when you say to you, meaning the business, and um, how, you know, uh, how do you, I mean, and then how, and, and the risk associated with it, and how do you secure? Uh, what controls you place, right, um, uh, to secure uh, that particular asset. Now, these assets um, can be, you know, it could be a printer, server, camera, desktop, or Word document. Uh, it's, you know, um, it could be a, uh, an employee, a C-level, or a janitor, or, you know, or it can even be a URL or a domain name. As simple as that, right? Uh, or an SSL that you have as a, you know, because um, uh, I've seen in organizations, um, there's a lot of uh, expired SSLs that run on your network uh, when exposed to internet, right? So, yeah, multi-layer uh, is, is the way to go. And again, that is only effective when you know what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I'd add to that, you know, there's always new vulnerabilities, there's always something that's going to going to happen. And it's really about sort of understanding um, the overall set of steps and tactics that people will take once once there's been an issue and being able to, to build that visibility, uh, build the response capability. And then what, you know, so that's stuff that you can do all the time and you can be tabletop in that and you can be practicing that, you know, this is where the purple team comes in, right? Mm -hmm. um, so take those standard tactics that the bad guys are always using, make mm -hmm. sure that you have the visibility you need to see what's going on, make sure that you have protections in place for those, um, simulate that, test it, know how it appears in your logs and know know what's going to happen. And then when there's a new vulnerability, right, that may be, that may offer a new finger hold for someone to get into your environment. But once they're in, they're going to do the same things mm -hmm. every time, right? So you have, I think at that point, you have the advantage as a defender if you've done that preparation and you've mapped your environment and you, you understand what normal is and you can start watching for those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the discipline and important part that you need to have as a defender is, is sort of keep that, that execution going. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that you mentioned vulnerabilities. Um, I saw an interesting stat somewhere along the way that only 3% of breaches actually come from vulnerabilities, right? Um, and actually the bulk of breaches that happen, happen from due to human errors or processes, you know, or gaps. You know. And I'm curious what you think about that, because when we see the headlines, you know, we think that breaches are coming from these big attacks, but what's, what's your experience? So um, for any cybersecurity operations, uh, the interplay between people, process, and procedures is, is the key and for the agility, right? Um, so vulnerabilities, yeah, you're right, Julie. Vulnerabilities alone um, is not the threat out there, right? Um, it, it could be, um, you know, uh, again, you know, we speak as Lincoln inside the program we speak. Right? The constant testing, the constant um, testing ourselves, our controls, how effective they are, 
like um, you know uh, Gabriel said, how effective they are. Keep monitoring, measuring, uh, and then uh, going back to the drawing board and uh, you know filling those ga gaps up is is with, is the key. Um, I mean those those threats as one form could be vulnerabilities, but that's not the only uh, you know that's not the only thing to look for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun to it's fun to talk about the new vulnerabilities and O days and things like that. That catch a lot of the media, that catch a lot of mindshare. But the reality is that the the real defenses are kind of the boring just do the stuff right. You know, make sure you have your MFA turned on and enabled for all of your users. And and that's the key right there is that all of your users, right? Not mm -hmm. this population or these people that didn't get registered. It's you've got to get to that 100% execution on each one of your controls and mm -hmm. monitor and test that. And it's not flashy. It's it's mm -hmm. process and it's people work. It's not not some some kind of amazing thing, right? And then... You know, look at the tactics, look at the things that the bad guys are going to do. You know, once they've got a user account, they have to escalate. So how are you doing privilege account management? Mm -hmm. How are you monitoring the use of privileges accounts? Have you mm -hmm. made sure that local admin is restricted in your environment? Have you scrambled local admin passwords using something like FAPS? Do you mm -hmm. test that it's still healthy? Because that's the other point. You may get it right at a point in time, but you know, to my theme, everything changes, mm -hmm. you know, chaos is always is chaos is the normal, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's trying to trend towards more chaos. And if you're not watching the next thing, you know, one of your controls is broken, and you think you're fine. And instead, it's now that that finger hold the attacker can use to, mm -hmm. to move in. And then there's discipline with patching and just do it keeping up with all of those things, right? So across the board, it's sort of that Focus on good execution, I think, is yeah. the message. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. So it's not necessarily about a zero-day attack. It's about bad passwords that patch fast enough and a, and a lot of the basic IT management. I mean, you, you, of course, I don't want to say don't pay attention to those things when they come, right? Because you, you have a small window when, when there's a VPN vulnerability or something like that to, to be able to to address your, your issues, but it's really that exercise muscle of executing, you know, you have mm -hmm. your regular processes, you have your emergency processes and you standardize that. And so for each one of those new vulnerabilities that comes out, it's just, you know, okay, run the procedure, do, do the stuff, actually, you know, you've been training that muscle. Now it's time to use it. So to, to Gabriel's point, that's not easy. So to Gabriel's point, uh, we do 80% of the same stuff, 20%. We go out of, uh, you know, a norm and, you know, but it should be the other way around. We should be doing 80% of the new, uh, you know, looking for things around their automating, uh, you know, your uh, operations. And 20%, you should be, you know, efficiently taking that 80% and then combine that into 20% and you focus on that, right? So that's where we should get to and that's, what, what I think will make the cybersecurity operations much more efficient and smooth going forward. You're not there yet, um, but, I mean, but there are a lot of all these new technologies that are yeah. us. Hopefully we get there. I totally yeah. agree, Uma. I think having that, that automation and orchestration piece to help make that practiced effort just, just run smoothly and easy to, to do. And then you put the brains, you know, the human brain on the interesting, unpredictable stuff right where we're we're good at thinking about um you know 
what what is the new stuff and discovering stuff uh, you know people tend to to be less good at the repetitive tasks right so mm-hmm. which is you know a great segue so you're both using breach and attack simulation with the miter attack framework could you could you each share you know why this is an important part of your strategy or your technology stack I, I can't stress uh, enough how important it is on that topic, right? Um, see, I mean, how do we excel in something, right? Uh, you know, the, or the one way that we do that very well as humans is when we know, uh, you know, when we know that w- what is out there or what could go wrong, then we can start putting, uh, you know, uh, controls around it to uh, secure it, right? And, and the way to get to that point is, um, you know, simulations, right? That simulations could be uh, like purple teaming, blue teaming, whatever you call, want to call them, right? Or uh, tabletop exercises, uh, regular tabletop exercises. Uh, you know, uh, again, if we don't measure ourselves uh, continuously, and it's not a one-time thing, if we don't measure ourselves continuously, we wouldn't know where we are. And, you know, that journey is left. Uh, you know, halfway. You know, we're not we are not doing justice to what we are high, you know, hired to do uh, to the organization. I would say, yeah. Yeah, that's a great. Um, just to jump in real quick, Gabe, before over to you, there's a, a great expression that you can't manage what you aren't measuring, right? And so, if you're not doing that kind of constant vigilance and monitoring, then how do you know that you're improving your security posture over time? Exactly. Yeah. You know, Josh, my CISO, um, whoever, but he's always using the idea of everything that we look at has to have an X of Y, which means you kind of have to define what is the known space? What is the, where are we within that known space uh, uh, of accomplishing our goal? Right. So, you know, I, I use breach and attack simulation to really get to this idea of, you know, at the beginning of a project, we have a target or a goal. Um, and, you know, we know how many things are out there. We know how many we've instrumented and we can start watching sort of get getting to that healthy point where we feel like whatever our target of X of Y is, we're there. And so, you know, you can use this to actively test your execution on putting that control in or setting up that detection and see how much of your environment is covered. And then once you've reached that goal, you're out of the project building stage, you're now in the maintenance phase, right? And it's, how do I know that this thing stayed healthy? We built it, uh, but chaos is trying to get back in, right? So does did someone change a firewall rule somewhere and now my logs aren't coming in? Or did someone, you know, there was high CPU, so they turned that agent off on that machine and now you don't have visibility on that critical asset. You need to keep that measurement going and you need to keep that testing to make sure that those controls stay effective over time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can use it at that time when you're building the thing to test, you know, your, 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 where you are in that project completion. And then once you're done, you convert that into a maintenance metric, right? Mm-hmm. This needs to stay healthy it, and you can watch and see that it, that metric continues to stay where its target is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes very valuable to, find those things before someone else does, right? So you can fix it and it, you're not surprised. You're not in that situation of, I thought we did a project so that no one could get into our environment this way. 
and now we're having an incident because that thing rotted, right? Instead, you can proactively interrupt that cycle and, and put that control back to a healthy state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you, you've talked about finding your blind spots and, and I would imagine with having you know this lens of visibility across your assets, it may also help you figure out, do you really need to patch something or should it be decommissioned too? Yeah, that's where uh, that's where knowing um, um, knowing uh, what you have what you have and what you need is the key is the critical uh, piece that determines the path, right? That lays the foundation to it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we cannot just blindly patch it. You know, whenever our team brings uh, vulnerabilities, I tell them, "Do you really need these things? You know, do you really need these uh, services to even you know first look at that? Talk to the the, the owner of the system or the application, and then um, decide if this is, uh, you know, that needs to be patched or not. And what's your um, what's your take on on using the MITRE ATT&CK framework in conjunction with with a breach and attack simulation platform like Attack IQs? Why is that helpful? So MITRE ATT&CK uh, framework gives you a foundation or uh, or a, a path sets a path. Uh, to look for things in the areas that um, that are uh, mapped for your organization, right? Uh, it gives you a framework to start with. But but again, you know, uh, I mean, it, it does lay a very good foundation, right? But that you know, I would you know, I would not. Uh, I mean, so that is, I mean, the the ultimate, uh, you know. But again, you know, as I mean, people again, process has to align with it, but. Mitotech attack framework gives you that um, that framework to start with, uh, to get a head start, um, and uh, you know uh, look at the critical pieces and how do you align and all that. Yes, I think it helps give you a map or a roadmap for the the people in the process side, right? Like you can look at a technology placemat and kind of go, okay, you need to have a DLP, you need to have this. You need to... We have all those things in our environment, but then. You know, on top of that, why are why are they there? What are we looking for in them? How do we understand? You know, there's a blinking light. Is it is it urgent or important? Mm -hmm. And it helps you sort of wrap some of that contextualization around why this light might be turning on. What kind of activities is it detecting? And then from there, what's the next step that an attacker might take? And can I contextualize that and go? Uh, you know, we see this pattern and now we know there's an active incident going or maybe this is, you know, something else. Right. So it gives you sort of the the things to look for and, and to evaluate your tool set and your coverage, either whether it's a protect or a detect kind of uh, tool that you have in place. You can build that people and process around it mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. execute. Mm -hmm. Right. So and again, to Gabriel's point, right, um, the, you know, it gives you a point to look, it tells you what to look for and where, but how effective is it that something where we have to test it, right? We have to measure ourselves. Again, what, you know, uh, a particular vulnerability could be a very big uh, for organization A, but doesn't mean anything for organization B, you know? Yep. So Yeah, exactly. And it could be hard, right? It could be hard to know how to test these things, right? You, 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 not everyone gets to have a high-functioning red team that can go ahead and write their own exploits or something like that, right? So 
being able to leverage a tool that knows how to do different tactics that you can then put into place and you can look at that the miter attack thing and go okay these are i'm going to follow this line of steps through that process to get from initial exploit all the way to data exfil and and long-term persistence right and i can see which ones of my controls are doing which of the the tactics along the way and then when something new comes out i can evaluate what what do i have and what tactics is it using? And I can map that straight in and be able to say, oh, this is bad. We don't have something for this. We need to get on it. Or, oh, we have controls. This is not so bad. We can pace ourselves in our response. Mm -hmm. And kind of have that informed decision-making in how, how do you respond? It's not, it's not a panic. It's a controlled response, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't using automation, which has transformed so many industries, and so many organizations inside of industries, how would you constantly monitor? What's the alternative? <laughs> You'll be throwing people at the problem, <laughs> left and right. <laughs> um, again, in cybersecurity, I mean, see manufacturing, um, automation has been a very key role and uh, you know, it's a very matured, uh, you know, matured area. But cybersecurity is, uh, there are a lot of moving pieces uh, and, uh, you know, things are changing, right? Like Gabriel said, things change every minute uh, here, you know. So when you're, automation, when you're automating things and there's so much variables in the mix, automation is not, I mean, it, I mean we can't 100% automate, right? Um, and there are areas where you can't even automate, uh, you know, more than 30, 40% in cybersecurity. And there are areas you can automate 50, 60% of that, right? Especially the log, you know, correlations and things like that, uh, right? That can be automated. So yeah, automation is the key, but are we there like the manufacturing is? No, uh, will be there for ne in next 10 years? Uh, depends on, you know, uh, how good our friends on the other side, the, uh, you know, the, the attackers, <laughs> how creative they get. <laughs> So, but again, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key, right? Is, you know, if you don't have automation in place, you're, you're, you have your people spending all of their time watching the known stuff that you've practiced and making sure that that, that stays effective. I don't, no, 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 no tool, no automation is perfect, right? Um, there's going to be places where you have to add some stuff onto it. So the idea, I think, is, you know, you have your stable stuff that you want to always be doing. You want to make sure that stays working. Automate that. Then you have the new, uh, you know, the new attack that appears. Um, that's time for where your people need to spend their time and understand what can I add to my existing automations? What, you know, what controls? How does it all appear? What processes need to change to deal with the new thing? And kind of keep your people focused on that. And then pushing the stuff into this continued monitoring framework that allows you to know that your environment hasn't decayed. Mm -hmm. I think that's smart, you know, given the the lack of you know talent that we see just due to the like the shortage of, of bodies in cybersecurity. You, you really have to figure out ways to survive without having as many bodies, you know, as as you'd like to have in your organization. 
All right, let's um, let's switch gears and talk about. We've talked about I think strategies to be agile. Some of them are not flashy. Some of it's just basic IT, you know, good hygiene. We've talked about you know automation, breach and attack simulation, using a framework like MITRE ATT&CK to um, help test you know TTPs. Let's talk about the confidence side of the conversation. Um, you both must be asked by your leaders by your colleagues, by board members, you know, XYZ just happened. Could this happen to us? How do you confidently answer that question? We have to be prepared. So <laughs> you're constantly working with your team, doing your research, uh, you know, uh, keeping up with what's happening out there. Um, and then, um, you know, again, pushing your team limits, looking uh, uh, to dig deeper into this before your management comes to you and asks for that question. You have to be prepared. You just cannot wait for them to ask, go and look for it, right? That'll be bad. <laughs> um, a lot of, uh, you know, again, a um, lot of due diligence, I would say, and uh, keeping, uh, keeping up um, uh, with these things uh, is, is, uh, is very important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the way I think about it, right, is if you think about the incident response process, there's there's the flashy part that everyone focuses on that's kind of in the middle when you're actually fighting fires, right? But at, at the end and the beginning is this, what did I learn from this thing and how do I prepare? And your, most of your time is in that preparation stage, as Uma was saying, right? And it's how do, how do you look at what's going on? How do you understand your environment? How do you track your assets? How do you, how, you know, how do you, how do you see if one of these new things that comes along that someone's going to ask you, how does this impact us? Is it actually new or is it a variation? Is it something that missed? What, 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 how does it map into that MITRE framework and the processes that you're doing in your preparation? And is it is it a gap that we need to fill? Well, then you've just got a great moment to turn around to your to your board and say, "Hey, there is a gap here. This is a new thing, and we need a surge, and we need to we need to build something." Or you can say, "Look, here are the things that we've done before that fill this hole and and allow us to to say this is a non-event for us," and it and it gets that conversation going um, outside of an incident response time where you can see what is the value of the investment that you've made into cybersecurity, right? Because mm -hmm. that is one of our biggest challenges in cybersecurity is that everything's great until it isn't, mm -hmm. right? And the success time is, you know, nobody's talking to you because there isn't a problem. <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. that's what you're there for, <laughs> right? Like the successful cybersecurity person is on the golf course all day, right? <laughs> Now, none of us get get to do that, but that's really what you want it to be. Um, and and it's a little bit hard to understand if, once you start, you know, if you it's running, we don't have an incident. What are we spending this money on? Right. Becomes part of the question. And it's there is a direct answer to you. You're not having an incident because you are spending this money, but you've got to mm -hmm. be able to track that down and show what you're getting for these things. And that's where these frameworks and the measurement pieces come into play that you can really show the details and understand the, the X of Y's, like what is our environment and how much of it have, do we have covered? Right. And in addition to that, right. Um, um, you know, compliance also, it's needed to show them that 
um, the due diligence that we are doing, uh, you know, the constant improvement, right? Uh, whenever these governing bodies come in for an audit, they are not looking for a perfect environment. You will never find a perfect environment anywhere. What they're looking for is this continuous, constant improvement. So if we can prove with the tools that we are measuring ourselves, we are doing our, you know, we have to trying to fix the gaps. I mean, we are identifying the gaps and fixing them, right? That is all they are looking for. Yeah, I, I, that's a really great point. It's really being able to show that it's not just that that panic reaction that happens when there's a new vulnerability, right? It is that continually turning the crank that, that the team is doing that's the value, right? And so you can use these things to take that conversation of, hey, I, I read about this spring thing in the newspaper. Do we have a problem? You can turn that around to this discussion of we don't and here's why and here's the processes we have and here's what the people are doing that allow us to say that. And that's the value that you're getting for this organization that you've built in, in, in your company ongoing and just be able to have a very solid answer to those kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, the past two years uh, have obviously been challenging with COVID and I'm sure you both had to pivot and try to figure out how to have people working remotely where they weren't before. Um, were there any particular lessons learned around staying ahead of potential ransomware or cyber attacks you know, during the last two years that you, you'd like to share or any surprises? You know, yeah, remote work has opened up many challenges, <laughs> um, which, which we were not prepared, uh, right? Um, you know, I mean, we are across 14 states, we have you know people working from you know outside the US as well. So, uh, you know, again, to keep up with that. The uh, what's happening locally in the states and beyond, uh, across the country, uh, uh, the different time zones also doesn't make any easy, right? And the remote work has opened up a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I mean, our, our it has changed the way we should be thinking on a cybersecurity from a cybersecurity point of view. Uh, we're still uh, in a catch-up mode with it, right now. People are coming back to offices, but you never know, right? We don't want to keep, we don't want to go back to the same situation and look for, well, like Gabriel mentioned, not, not look for when we need it, right? We want to be prepared this time. So we have done a lot of progress on that. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, that that area uh, has been very sensitive, uh, you know, especially in cybersecurity side of it. And, and keep the business running and balance it was is challenging, you know, not what we still. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, at one point in my career, I did cybersecurity for um, academic institution, right, which is a very different environment, and and there's a lot of openness, there's a lot of interconnection, and one of the the things that I always said then was open doesn't mean insecure, right? It means you have to invest in how do you make make that environment more agile and more easy for collaboration. And I think that really sets a, a, a foundation that helps you when you move into this idea of remote work, right? Where mm -hmm. it's no longer I, I, 
physical location isn't part of your security model anymore. Um, and honestly, the reality was it shouldn't have been to begin with. It's not that hard to fish your way into a company, right? Um, phishing is generally 100% successful at some point in time, um, depending on how you measure it. So saying everybody in the building is a good person isn't, isn't right. It misses the inside threat. It misses the successful fish. It misses the drive-by that gets into your environment and starts moving. And so if you start thinking Instead, like, what does it mean if my my workforce can be anywhere? It changes what kinds of detections and what kinds of protections and what kind of response capabilities you need to have. Um, and what's hard is uh, to to pivot that way quickly in a in a day because there's a pandemic going on, which is what kind of most of us experienced two years ago. And I think that 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 hard change that had to happen really quickly has given some advantage to the ransomware actors who are, you know, mm. taking advantage of us for sure at this stage. Um, but we need to sort of keep developing that direction and building out that flexibility in our environment because on, in the long term, the the kinds of protections you build that lets people work from anywhere really increase the overall level of security and resilience that your environment has, whether or not people go back to the office or and, and to add that, right, that is what Gabriel said, uh, in some industries, like especially in healthcare, um, I started building a telemedicine application, um, you know, which I sold, uh, you know, I built it in uh, 20, started in 2014. Um, now, pandemic expedited the tele, telehealth adoption drastically uh, you know, 15, 20 times than from 2014 to 2019. So um, the way that we work, so my point is the way we work has changed and will change further, right? There's going to be um, a huge change in the way the, the people will work and where they work from um, um, and, uh, right? And, and on, on top of it, how do we need, uh, how do we secure it? Because we are beyond the boundary now, beyond our walls, right? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that's really clear is technology is the business, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Your business is 100% dependent on the technology. Mm -hmm. um, and that technology needs to be flexible so your business can be agile. And so that means your security model needs to allow for that agility and that flexibility. And you get that with this, this idea of, of, you know, remote work or zero trust or beyond corp or whatever, whatever buzzword you're calling it at the moment. Right. I, I hate, I hate to use those words because in the market, they've been so overused at this point, they almost don't have meaning, but, but the idea of understanding your assets, understanding their health, understanding who's the person at the machine, what they're trying to access, and then making a policy decision about do you allow that to happen is extremely powerful. And none in none of that did I say anything about location, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it could be, it could help. Like maybe you don't have any business in this country and you see a user logging in. That's definitely an interesting indicator, right? But it doesn't have to be the only thing that you're looking for. That's right. All right. Well, we're coming up to uh, the end of our time here. So just as we as we close this session, and thank you so much um, to you both for sharing your insights. 
Um, and I know you're coming from two different industries, but it sounds, you know, like the, the challenges are, are, are very similar, um, whether you're in manufacturing or healthcare or, you know, even in financial services, right? Um, there is a, a shortage of talent. Um, there are opportunities to automate. Um, you need to stay on top of your, you know, your IT hygiene uh, while, you know, using, you know, your smart, talented brains in the team to be thinking about what could be next uh, and, staying in, and staying ahead of adversaries. Are there any last uh, closing thoughts that you would share around strategies for agility, strategies to build confidence that you are secure? Uh, can you ever actually say, you know, we are secure? You know, again, um, you know, I don't want to uh, throw new uh, thing here. I, I'll go back to the basics. Know what you have and what's important to your business. That's the key. Once you master that, uh, everything will fall in place, uh, place. Yeah. I mean, I think operational excellence is is a key element of what we need to be able to do to succeed. You know, you you, you need to find the right balance for what, flexibility and agility you want in your business and find a balance between protection, detection and response that matches what you're trying to do and consciously define how you're, how you're doing that and then make sure that stuff works. And then, you know, you can never be a hundred percent secure, but you can be confident that you'll detect the problem before it's damaging. And that's really the fundamental goal. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. The second annual Purple Hats Conference. It was my pleasure to host you both. And I look forward to seeing you this time next year, too. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.